Welcome to the Let's Break Bread podcast. This is Eli. This is my new. And this season, we will be inviting Christian leaders and teachers to join us to talk about things that matter to many young adult Christians today. We hope these conversations will encourage, challenge, and inspire your faith and your walk with the Lord. We also encourage you to continue these conversations within your local church. You can find us on Instagram at Let's Break Bread. Friends, let's break bread together. Come invited and listen in on gospel-centered conversations. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Break Bread podcast. And in today's episode, we will be talking about missional living and community. And our guests here are Grace and Tufu Tao. Um, can you both just introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tufu Tao, and I'm a church planter in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, my wife and I planted New Anthem Church, uh, actually in the middle of uh, the pandemic. And uh, we're just uh, being faithful and trying to grow our church and reach our city here. Oh, my name is Grace Tao and planting a church with my husband. Um, and we've been so, yeah, so excited just to see what God is doing here in the city and um, learning to understand what God has already started to do in the city and how we can be a part of that. And so um, we're both, I guess, bivocational. Yeah. Um, I'm an occupational therapist and then my uh, husband's a high school teacher. So mm-hmm. we both do that on the side as we plan a church. Awesome. Thank you so much again for being with us. Uh, so our first question here is, you know, it comes from the quote from Tim Keller, and I love Tim Keller, um, and it goes that, you know, if the gospel is that you are more sinful than you ever thought you were, and you are more loved than you ever dreamed you could be, when was the gospel first good news to you, and how is it still today? Yeah, so um, I grew up in a Hmong home, and uh, I, a very traditional home. Uh, we weren't Christian, and from what I knew about uh, the Christian faith, Christians were good people. And uh, if I became a Christian, I would have to become a good person. At least this is what I was thinking. Uh, I knew that uh, if we became Christians, then we would have to stop shamanism and um, all the different uh, parts of our, who you know, we were. And uh, I, you know, I, I didn't want to give that up um, because I felt connected to uh, not only uh, my culture, but because I felt connected to uh, this part of who I was, this freedom to choose. And uh, I mean, I was like maybe 18 at the time. And I, all I thought was like, man, I just want to party and I want to meet girls, you know, and I want to like, I want to get drunk. I want to like do all this crazy stuff. And uh, when I met God, uh, it was my freshman year in college. I was just swept into this amazing love. And the thought that passed through my mind was God's love is perfect and I'm not. And yet he's willing to meet me. And I remember uh, that when that uh, understanding kind of swept in, I just wept because I felt like I was willing to, you know, in my prior life, I was willing to trade all of the goodness of God in order to have the spoils of, you know, this, the life that I, I was living. Uh, yeah. And uh, committed myself to Christ and cried like a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, my story is very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, was raised in a pastor's um, home and grew up in the church and the church is basically my family. Um, And so I guess like the gospel was something that um, I knew head knowledge wise, um, but I never really understood just how much God loved me and how much of a sinner I was. I I would say until like I got into college. Um, And so I, um, when I got into college, I started 
really understanding that this is uh, like the choice that I get to make for myself. Um, and I got plugged into this community where um, they really just invest, got really invested into me. And during that time, I think I, I began to see God's love in such a different way, where it wasn't something that I was just doing ministry because my parents are doing it. And I began to see that, you know, God's love for me was um, so unconditional that whether or not I served him, whether or not I served, you know, in children's ministry, youth ministry, young adults ministry, that um, God would still love me the same. And I think I had that uh, really powerful um, just meeting Jesus um, in college and being surrounded by people who are just so passionate about their relationship with God, so passionate about like growing in their understanding and their knowledge of him. Um, but not only just like, you know, theology wise, but they were actually really just walking with God. And, and it was something so different from what I had seen growing up or had been part of. And yeah, I think um, during that time, I just fell in love with Jesus and finally, like really understood the gospel for myself and not through like, you know, my family. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. We love hearing about, you know, how people came to know the gospel. Um, so thank you for sharing those. What is missional living and why is it important since that is the topic of our discussion today? Uh, yeah, so, you know, um, we've all heard of the Great Commission, Matthew uh, 28. Uh, I, you know, this is what I used to think. I used to think that the church uh, was in the business of raising up good Christians and the super Christians were sent off as missionaries. Uh, but, you know, when we read through uh, the Gospels, uh, what we see is that actually the church, she herself, she's the missionary. And when I realized that the, the church was the missionary, it really changed the way that I thought about how church should be done. Uh, if the church was meant to go to the nations and make disciples and baptize it, and that was her role, mm -hmm. and then uh, that meant that the church had to function differently. It really had to uh, exegete the culture and embed itself in, in the lives of uh, lost people. Uh, and um, create opportunities uh, for the gospel to be shared. So. Yeah. How do you think churches can start thinking about missional living in a way so that it's not just, oh, we send off missionaries to like a different country, but it's like here where we are. Yeah. I, I think one thing we try to really emphasize um, I, in our own lives um, is that wherever you're at, you're on a mission field. And so you know, I think when, when we grew up in the Hmong church, we, we thought, oh, mission conference. So we're going to do all these things from like dressing up in all of these ethnic clothing. And um, you think mostly like outside, but I think it's a really change of perspective. And um, once you start looking around you and asking God to kind of open your eyes to um, see the people that are within um, your, um, like sphere of influence. So your coworkers, your neighbors, um, just your friends, people who, um, haven't, you know, met Jesus, um, and understanding that they're like, they themselves need the hope that you have, um, in Christ. Um, you start seeing just how to live missionally in a, in a very new way. Yeah. If I could just add on to that, you know, I think, uh, mission, Living missionally is really about understanding our identity. For the longest time, the Hmong people, we were the missions field, you know, and so when we have missional uh, weeks, whatever, uh, what happens is we see ourselves as celebrating missionaries coming to us and, tr and transforming our lives. 
but uh, the work of missions is not just a, a work that looks within, but it is a word that propels us out into other cultures. And when I look at the missionaries that go abroad, not just um, the Western churches, but also the, the Hmong missionaries that are go abroad, the thing that compels them is not a celebration of their past, you know, of them being converted, but it really is um, a love with God, you know, this, this love relationship with, with Christ and this understanding that our identity is embedded in this eternal, internal love that he has for us. Uh, and I think that's really the, the propelling force that pushes us to go and share the gospel with others. If we want to see missional communities, I think we really have to go back to our relationship with Christ. As, as we grow more intimate in that relationship, uh, he prepares us and he, he sends us out uh, to, to reach other people who he loves. So I love that. <laughs> I just thought at first, like, oh my gosh, I love that. Um, so, you know, like you guys are starting a church in Charlotte, you know, uh, two of you started a church in Texas and then also you said in Michigan. Mm-hmm. right uh grace you grew up in the church uh your parents doing ministry so god's been at work with you guys very intentionally and very like interwovenly in the way you guys have uh been living your life so in your current context what does or what has missional living looked like you know just starting at church uh, so um I, I think a lot of us have kind of a romanticized view of like starting a church, uh, we think of it as like, you know, going and, and doing this really difficult work and like reaching people. Um, but really, actually, it starts with something so much smaller. It starts with looking at the opportunities that God gives us. Uh, and, and it really, it re- you know, there's not much difference between starting a church and being a part of a church. The big, big difference, though, is the perspective. So um, when you are on a church plant, um, you don't have a congregation per se, but your eyes are constantly looking out for future, you know, believers, you know, future people who will be worshiping God. And so uh, instead of uh, just going through your day, you're getting groceries, you find opportunities to share the love of Christ, you know, to build uh, those relationships with people around you. And uh, yeah, um, how, how we do it is not necessarily we, that we modify the things that we do, but we look for opportunities. And so uh, we were really intentional about uh, making sure that as we moved into the city, that we were embedded within a community of people who didn't know Jesus. So we're both bivocational. I am a high school teacher and Grace is an occupational therapist. You know, we're also in a, in a neighborhood, you know, we like, there's people within, you know, arms uh, reach for us. And so we start there and we look at uh, those around us and we find opportunities just to share the love of Christ uh, and to serve them. Yeah, and I think um, here in, in this city, I think like Tuku said, a lot of it becomes romanticized when you think about, you're like, oh, I'm on this huge endeavor. It's going to be like so hard. And I mean, I'm say, not saying that church planning is easy <laughs> at any with any means, but like, I think we, we lose sight of really the simplicity of loving people and just building relationships. So um, right now, right, we're really just focusing on um, mainly building relationships, you know, with our neighbors across the street and uh, around us, um, e- even with uh, the tent makers that are living um, in the city with us, uh, really just building relationships and understanding their stories and really trying to empower them. Um, and discipleship becomes a huge thing um, 
and it's like our main focus. So we're not as focused with, you know, Sunday services or like events, but we're a lot more focused on the intentional relationships that we have with people. And I think with COVID that has been so crucial um, that, you know, because we're not meeting in like huge groups and um, God has really allowed this time for us to really just build and cultivate yeah. those relationships. So that's the foundation of the church. Yeah. So uh, just to add on to that, um, you know, like if, if we were to go to mission to be missionaries in a foreign country, we would learn their language, right? And we'd make sure that we understand how to communicate to them. Well, church planting is like that, except that, I mean, obviously we all speak English in Charlotte, uh, but we have to learn their heart language and uh, that takes some time to adjust. And so that's really the first thing. We have to be able to communicate the gospel in a way that they will be, they, they'll accept and understand it. And with each individual person, uh, they understand love very differently. Uh, their story really informs how we share the gospel as well. And so that's the hard work of uh, contextualizing the gospel is making sure that we can speak in the same language that they understand. And, and each individual person has experiences that they will, will allow them to hear the gospel differently. Right. I love that. So it's obvious we are living in a pandemic. <laughs> um, and I know that for, for myself and for a lot of churches, we're running into a dilemma where, you know, our, our previous models of what it means to worship God, to be the church, to be a church, to disciple, you know, all of our models for ministry are like obsolete right now, right? And I feel like this is a time where God is calling his church to step into creativity and being like, hey, hi, my people, my bride, it's time to reevaluate, you know, the models you set in stone for yourself um, and step out into a, a new contextually sympathetic manner of discipling. And I would love to hear about what that looks like for you guys in your context um, during this pandemic time. Because I know for me, like, when I think of creating community, I'm like, I can't have middle schoolers on zoom because they're already doing it at school you know and parents aren't like you're not meeting up so um could you share with us what that looks like for you guys yeah so um i think you're exactly right in that um the times you live in are really forcing us to rethink how we can do church i think um the way that we have been doing church is um is good and it's it's healthy uh, but just kind of given the situation that we're in, it's important for us to kind of reimagine what church can look like. And the, the essential things about community will always stay the same is that, you know, we're connecting with people on this like emotional and social level. Uh, and right now it feels a little bit plastic because, you know, it's, we're doing it all virtually. Uh, but a, a very odd thing is happening, at least uh, with young people, is they're being becoming acclimated to the screen time and the community over, you know, like this virtual platforms. So um, as a high school teacher, I teach my class in Zoom. And obviously the first couple of days, the kids hated it. Yeah. But now they, they just log in and it just becomes part of you know, their, their normal every activity. And, and God willing, uh, we will be in person, you know, both for church and for school uh, soon. But um, what, what I realize is that young people adjust much faster than those of us who, you know, a little bit more experienced, right? So un having understood that, stood that, I think it's actually okay for us to learn to grow and be more comfortable in those virtual spaces. You know, and that, that's a lot to ask for the church. You know, the church is probably one of the slowest changing institutions, but um, I think uh, this is really the season for young leaders to pioneer 
uh, new methods for building community and reaching lost people. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you just take, if you just take a survey of young people who like uh, use video platforms to play video games or to kind of ch chat with a friend, that's very common. You know, they're very comfortable in those spaces. And I think for us uh, as ministers or missionaries, it's important for us to actually learn how to use those platforms in similar ways uh, that people are already using those. I mean, also uh, with pandemic, the big thing is people are in, they're hungering for that emotional and social connection. And uh, obviously if we have to do it through like a virtual platform, we have to do it that way. But there are also other ways for us to do that uh, in person. Very creative things that we've been doing is uh, we've been having activities outdoors. You know, uh, we've been having conversations with people as we walk or take hikes. And, uh, you know, so it's safe, you know, uh, and we're also just trying to reconnect with relationships that we already have and just checking in on people and saying, asking them if they're doing okay. Uh, and, you know, people are just so starved for that, um, that connection that I think now more than ever, uh, people wanting to talk and wanting to process their emotions. Yeah, and I think um, as well, we were talking about this, um, our church plant team, and um, I think some of the most creative things comes out of adversary. <laughs> and so I think um, this is really a time for for churches and um, I guess, you know, just young people to really cultivate like an, a new understanding of how community works and what is, I think at the, the core of community, like it's just this longing to connect um, and how can we find new and creative ways to do that? And so um, I know that we've been praying and talking uh, with some of our college students for a while about what would it look like to start a campus ministry during a pandemic and um, how we can connect people on Zoom for um, like Bible studies or even just to um, you know, have like a hangout session where people are able to connect because they're on campus, but they're not necessarily having like in-person classes. Um, and so ways that we can really encourage that. So we're still, I think we're still learning along yeah. with everyone else, but I think this is, if anything, this is like the best time, um, to really create those, um, very creative ways. And I think God can work, you know, like mm -hmm. God is not limited to in-person gatherings and meetings, yeah. like he can meet people on zoom through, I think, just like the way that you, uh, the genuine like longing for you, for God to meet people, like he'll do it. See, you remember when we were like, we first started dating, we did it like long distance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so like, I was just so excited that once a week I'd, I would get to talk to her and uh, we would like FaceTime or something. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was not the same as being with her. But just that FaceTime, I just was like so excited about that. And I think our love relationship with God and our need for social interaction kind of feels like that long distance relationship where it's like, man, I would rather be in person with these people I really like enjoy being around. But if I can't have that, then what's the next best thing? And people are, you know, we're like, what are like seven months deep into mm -hmm. the pandemic? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they are in that place where like, hey, how, how can we continue to have these relationships, you know, at a distance? Uh, and it's not like we're pulling teeth. People are wanting uh, that, that, that connection with others. Yeah. Right. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I noticed you've been talking a lot about like community and that's super duper important, but I just like to get backtrack and be like, what is community? You know, say we have a listener who's like, well, what is it? They come from a context that might be a little bit more individualistic. And so it's more like God and me 
versus God and me and his whole body. So like, not to shotgun you questions, like, so what is community? Why is it important? And how do I go about fostering that if I haven't had that yet? Yeah, I mean, I think the the best picture of community comes from the Trinity. <laughs> you know, like it's not just God, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I, I think that's like just the, the picture of like God never meant for um, one individual to be alone in, in this journey. And I think scripture does such a good job with um, really encouraging believers to gather together to pray and, you know, to correct and to love and to um, uh, encourage one another um, in their faith. And so, um, yeah, I think community in itself is just growing alongside other people. And um, it's nothing that's ever perfect. Like we're never going to be a per- perfect in our community um, per se. But I think one thing is that um, you have these individuals who are, you know, going through their own things and you're going through your own things. Um, and you're just learning what it looks like to live um, the purposes that God has ca- uh, called you to live in. Um, and I think sometimes when you're by yourself, it's really hard to see inwardly. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we're kind of, we have blind spots, mm-hmm. but when you're walking alongside of other people, then they can see that alongside with you. Um, yeah. So I think it's just like journeying together um, with the people that, you know, God surrounds you with and the people of God. Yeah. I, I think um, community is really synonymous with intimacy. So you can be in, you know, like a group of people, but you might not necessarily have community with them. The thing that makes community a community is the intimacy and uh, intimacy, although you, it helps for you to be in person. I think intimacy can still be cultivated at a distance. And it's really about how willing you are to be vulnerable and to be honest with people. And uh, that it transcends even um, digital platforms or virtual platforms. Uh, when when we are honest and uh, we are vulnerable, uh, then we build community and people are able to look into our lives and uh, they're able to feel that connection. Yeah, I love that. And I think like definitely in my experience with community, it's been, I think one of the things like I would say with community is that it's been such a sanctifying thing, you know, like being able to, like, like Grace said, you're not called to journey alone. You're called to grow and pray and then be like taught by people to be rebuked by people uh, about his spirit and then like like two food like he said you know this is intimacy this vulnerability and I think that's so scary sometimes you know like vulnerability is scary because you're like here's my heart you can kill me <laughs> if you wanted to um but then that's the, the part where it's like you know God has called us to to live together in such a way where yeah it is it is scary to bear your heart but we are all so safe in his hands safe and because we are one in the spirit together in this community Uh, so I really appreciate your insights and the things that you've had to share so what would you say are the challenges to building community the challenges are the same thing as the blessings (laughs) the challenges (laughs) intimacy. (laughs) so when you get that close it you know like imagine at this distance you don't see any of the imperfections in my face but if you were to get closer, you'd be like, yo, back up, man. Like I'm seeing the pores in your face. Like I'm seeing too much. And the same thing happens in community. And when you get close, it gets uncomfortably close, right? And so uh, that is forever the biggest challenge in community. And I think that's why you, 
there needs to be this uh, humility uh, and uh, this honesty with our own weaknesses and uh, this, this constant like checking our hearts and saying, you know, I'm not perfect. How can I be like easier to, to get along with or, you know, just a better friend? I mean, as well, I think the challenges in community is disagreement, you know, so not only like you, it's it, that you're seeing too much of the person, but you just have two different opinions uh, and that a contrast can sometimes cause friction. But, you know, the thing that I, I, I feel is friction is not always bad, you know, friction uh, sometimes exposes the things that we don't understand. And kind of what, like my wife was saying, mm-hmm. it exposes our blind spots. You know? And as long as there is that safety net of love and trust, I think friction can still be overcome. Uh, but when uh, that love and trust is not there, then usually uh, that conflict will lead to division. And I think as well, the challenges in community for, at least from what I've seen, um, is that people have this, again, like a romanticized view of what community, their community should like, like my ideal community would look like, you know, (laughs) I would have the best of friends and they would never hurt me and they would never say anything to like, I don't know, like to make me feel like alone or, and I think when people come in with that idea of what community is, um, they get really hurt because when you are in a room full of sinful human beings and in com- in community, right, with um, the, these individuals, you are going to get hurt. Um, and there are going to be things that exposes both them and you. And I think um, coming into a community, you have to realize that, like, I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, you know, have these differences. We're going to hurt each other. But by the grace of God, like we're going to keep going and we're going to keep growing. We're going to reach the people um, around us in our city and fulfill the things that God has called us to do um, because God calls the church to be in in this place. And so, um, yeah, I think those are the challenges is coming into a community and and thinking that it's going to be like this picture perfect, you know thing and and it doesn't come out that way and then they get disappointed and then um they leave and so yeah I think one of the challenges you just have to change that perspective of um what a community really is and then as you walk into it having the mind and the heart of Christ yeah thank you for sharing that um and then going off of that what has been one of your guys's greatest joy as you foster community um, you know, there's like, there's a lot of like really amazing things, but it's, it's really, um, uh, taking uh, note of like the little things, you know, so, uh, we're like in the baby step processes in, in this church planting. And so we're not seeing like, you know, this baby, like running, it's just crawling, you know, it's just babbling at this point, we're just taking joy in those little victories. And so very simple things like people, uh, loving the word of God, people like, praying for one another, like our visitors coming in and just sharing how loved they are and how they feel like they're part of our family. Uh, those are little things that keep us going. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we do a lot of really cool things that we go in the community and we serve people and like we give away food and we do a lot of those things. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the little things that just keep us motivated. I think one thing we really try to um, reinforce in the people that we meet too is that their stories matter. And I think as they're coming to understand that 
they're a small thread in like the whole picture of what God is doing. Coming to see them understand that um, there is this beautiful thing that happens um, when they realize like, oh, I can be a part of what God is doing. It doesn't have to be pastors or leaders, you know, like I'm just this person working an eight to five job. And yet God has called me to this uh, mission um, of sharing, you know, his love with people. And so I think there's something really beautiful that happens when uh, we see that. And that's ha that has been to me like super encouraging. Um, not only that, but um, also we have uh, friends that have been uh, joining us, you know, when we do like the small house church uh, events. And when they come, uh, you can just feel, see them like understanding little by little uh, the gospel and understanding yeah. who Jesus is. And I think they've heard this idea, especially here in the South, they, they hear um, about God, um, but they never really understand truly what the gospel is. And so we have a friend who's been coming out and like every week you could just see him he's always like, crying. yeah, like the Holy spirit is like moving and doing something in his heart. And he's not, um, I don't think he's, um, like accepted Christ yet, but you can see that God is moving. Yeah. And then you see also the, the individuals that are around him kind of just rallying him on and, um, loving on him and, um, through like the hardships that he's um, been through the last couple of weeks too. And, um, you see that God is doing something and that's always really exciting when, when they can see that they can play, you know, a small part in what God is doing in his life. It really empowers them to, to mm -hmm. do that in their, you know, lives. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So for anybody who wants to start building relationships, especially with people that they maybe work with, you know, or they meet that may not be believers, how can they start cultivating relationships with people who are not part of the church uh, i have a good friend ed and he shares it like this uh, he's he's kind of like an awkward guy you know he's a really sweet guy but he's kind of awkward and so for the longest time he's every day he went to work he would just say i'm just gonna say hi i'm just gonna say hi i'm just gonna say hi and he just said hi to people you know and uh, and through saying hi to people he was able to build relationships uh, and so uh, i think the first step is always the most important step you just just say hi you know and introduce yourself ask people how they're doing, you know, and I, I think that is a big step, but it's, uh, you know, uh, an important step. Uh, I think secondly, uh, another friend of mine was sharing with me that in the Bible, they talk about, uh, God talks about making us fishers of men. And a lot of times you think about that, like we're out there with our pole and our hook and our bait, and we're just casting, casting, casting. But actually the biblical picture of fishing is actually several men in a boat throwing nets, you know, into the water. And you need actually the teamwork of people coming together. Uh, and so missional community actually makes more sense when, when you look at the Bible. Like it's actually the church coming around people, you know, we, we're partnering up to reach, reach people together. And so uh, I think if you want to be missional, a very good pre-step is actually to go in there with someone else and say, hey, let's pray about this. Uh, let's uh, share the gospel with this person. Let's be intentional with our time. Yeah, I, and I think one thing um, when I was in college that we that my mentors really like ingrained in me is that you know people aren't projects. Like God doesn't see them as projects, and uh, neither should we. And so when you see individuals as people, like this is a person with a story, and they have 
you know, gone through things that you've never gone through. And um, I think when you start to see it like that, you like, you just start building relationships with people um, just to have a relationship with them. And then however it is that God tugs at your heart to share Jesus with them in those conversations, um, you just have those conversations. And so, um, I mean, even like here, our neighbors, um, we'll just bring cookies over or, you know, we'll bake goods or, yeah. um, and, you know, even corn, like we had corn oh my from gosh. my, from my, like um, mom corn. yeah, from like my our mom's farm. Right. <laughs> and so one day Tufu decides to like, you know, make some corn and he's like chasing after our neighbor's car. Cause he's like pulling out the driveway. And then he just like hands him like, you know, um, a big pot of a corn. Big pot of corn. <laughs> and this guy's like, what is this guy doing? But you know, we're such good friends because like, Hey, if you can chase my car with a like <laughs> pot, pot of corn, corn <laughs> like we must be friends or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think just going out of your way just to, to show people that, you know, you, you're thinking about them, that you care about them. Um, those little things. And, and nowadays I think it's very rare, um, for us to be even engaging with people in our neighborhood or with our, um, coworkers and being intentional outside of that, like work environment. Um, and so asking God, like, Hey God, what do you want me to do? Or what do you want me to say today? And, um, and then just doing it. Yeah. I can't believe you told them my, my corn story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And we will keep the corn story. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much uh, for your insight and your thoughts. Uh, so as we are wrapping up our time together this evening, um, what words of encouragement can you offer to Christians who want to start living in a missional community um, pattern of life? Yeah, I would say, um, firstly, just be in communion with God. Um, and I know that right now with COVID, I think the, the last thing we want to do is just to be by ourselves. <laughs> but when you're in um, just daily communion with the Lord um, and seeking him first, um, I think God does something really powerful where he... Uh, it, kind of gives you direction on how you're supposed to live in community with other people. Um, but I think that living in this overflow of um, the love of Jesus comes first from him. And so um, I, a lot of us might get it wrong where we try to look for community first and then expect that to fill you know, the void that we have. Um, but God first calls us to be intimate and to um, love him and then, you know, to love others. And so um, my encouragement, to, yeah, just um, if anything we've learned through this, I've learned through this pandemic is that God has given me time to pray <laughs> and God has given me, um, even though the temptation is just to be watching Netflix and <laughs> um, hanging out at home. Um, but it's, yeah, just to be really intentional about my relationship with God and then be very intentional about my relationship with others. And so it, even if that's like reaching out or saying, hey, how are you doing? Um, just checking up on you. How can I be praying for you? I think um, those are um, such simple ways for us to connect with other people. Uh, yeah, so um, I think the most practical advice that I can give you is actually the same advice that my wife gave. Uh, 
it's prayer. And the Bible always talks about mobilizing missionaries uh, first by talking about prayer. And, you know, it says, the Bible says, uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into this field. And I think when we pray that God sends out workers, uh, there is this part of us that's like, God, I please let me be a part of that. You know, I want to be, you know, when we look at the harvest field and we're praying for workers. I think uh, the desire, the natural desire of our hearts is that God would send us as well. And I think God was really intentional uh, when he wrote that verse, knowing that as we pray for the workers that we ourselves will grow in our heart for the missions field. Um, I, I think also um, my friend, my good friend, Ed said it best, just say hi, you know, just say hello. And uh, it seems like a very simple step, but it's actually a very important step. Uh, it, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to reach lost people, you just meet them where they are and just say hi. Uh, find an excuse to, uh, to start up a conversation and, and check, up on, uh, check up on them. And that, that I think, goes a long way. Um, we always ask all of our guests this question. And what is a book that you recommend our listeners to read and why? I think, okay, so I've been rereading... Um, rereading John Piper's Let the Nations Be Glad. Oh, yeah. Initially, when I read it, it was because um, I had uh, been on multiple like overseas mission trips, but now reading Let the Nations Be Glad in the light of building um, a missional community and uh, planting a church here, um, I think I'm starting to see that in a different light. And so, um, yeah, I think that's probably one book that has been so good to me over the years. And I think when I lose that, um, just that zeal for like lost people, when I read that book, um, it just really empowers me to um, really just be on mission. And so that would be one book. Yeah, so uh, I just cheated. I looked at my Kindle and uh, okay, dude, one of the, my favorite books that really changed the way I think about ministry and think about my life is The Power of Habit by Charles Dewey. Uh, I think it's how his name, Charles Dewey. And really what he talks about is just how we need rhythms in our life and how to become successful. It's not just a one-time thing, but really it's a building, a rhythm that leads us to be successful. And so it's really forced me to think about uh, how I plan things in advance. Like what are the things I'm prioritizing and what are the rhythms uh, that are already in my life and what, how can I change them so that I can accomplish the goals God puts in, in, in my way. So that's a good book. All right, thank you for sharing those. And we will have those uh, in our show notes for anyone who is interested. And then uh, where can people find you in terms of online or social media? And what are things that you guys are involved with that you want to share? Uh, so um, you can find us uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. I just searched New Anthem Church, Charlotte. Is it New Anthem? Mm -hmm. yeah. New Anthem Church. And uh, the big thing that we're New doing, Charlotte. New Anthem Charlotte, yeah, there you <laughs> go. So uh, the big thing that we're doing right now is we're gearing up for our Tent Maker Project 2021. And Tent Maker is really the way that we uh, mobilize our missionaries uh, in the city. And what we do is we invite them to be a part of this missional year experience where they're living in uh, a missional house and they they're forced to think about uh, their personal space or their home space as, um, as a missional outpost within the city. So um, we get them a house with a large enough living room space where they can actually host people. Uh, they're in community with other believers and they're really working as missionaries 
they're bivocational, as, as Grace and I are bivocational, they're bivocational. And so uh, the, the story of the tent makers in the Bible is that Priscilla and Aquila, they were, help, they were working as tent makers uh, by day and by night. They were a church leaders and missionaries and the people who they were building tents for, they were inviting them into their homes. And the same thing is true for our tent makers. Uh, there are students and their uh, employees uh, and you know they have gym memberships and everything. And the thing is, they just think about those spaces differently. They think about them in terms of opportunities to share the gospel and how to invite them into this deeper, um, deeper relationship or deeper, um, I don't know, community. And, and people end up coming over their house for dinner or coming to hang out. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that, that whole um, tent maker project is gonna kick off in July this year, but we'll be taking the month of December and probably January to be building our team. So if anyone's interested, uh, you can message us at New Anthem Charlotte, either on Instagram or on our Facebook page. Or even just our personal. Or, yeah, you can reach out to us as well. And what are your personal social media handles? <laughs> you know, it's it's embarrassing, but I don't know it by heart. <laughs> mine, um, mine on Instagram his, is just my first name. Yeah. His it's T-O-U-F-U-E, yeah. Um, and I changed mine because I got married, but mine is just grace dot detail. So grace dot detail. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And we will definitely have that um, in our show notes as well as on our Instagram. So we will make sure to tag you and new Anthem Charlotte. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have definitely been like super encouraged through this conversation. I'm so glad I got the chance to, to meet the two of you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Thank you too. We will have Grace and Tufu's information and any related resources in our show notes as well as on our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there at Let's Break Bread Podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. You can screenshot this episode and share with us on Instagram what your takeaways are. Make sure to tag us at Let's Break Bread Podcast.